Hello, and welcome to Get Diversified. Hello, everyone. We're Jacqueline and Melvin Landry, and we welcome you to our podcast, Get Diversified. Throughout these series, we'll cover all the topics and questions you have about investing in apartment buildings, storage facilities, and mobile home parks. Being knowledgeable in these areas will help you feel more comfortable about investing. Apartment investing equals building wealth. Building wealth equals financial freedom. Achieving financial freedom allows you to spend your time with building memories with your loved ones. Let's face it, time is the one element in life that is limited, and you don't want to waste it. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Get Diversified podcast. Your host here, Melvin Landry, is here, and I am here with a multifamily superstar operator here. Uh, I want to thank you, Miss Sandia, for joining us on our Great Diversified podcast. How are you doing today? Doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, and congratulations on starting your own podcast. Yeah, hey, hey, hey. It's it's uh, it, it took a while, but hey, here we are. We're moving and shaking, and hey, we're happy to have a superstar like yourself here on the show. So, Sandia, thanks for joining us. So, uh, to kickstart off our show, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you, your journey uh, into real estate, and in terms of uh, how things are going so far for you. So, go ahead. So I'm a mom and a wife living in Dallas for over 32 years. Like most Asian geeks, I have a background in engineering. That's how I started out in terms of my career. I came here with two suitcases in hand to this country. $8 a week was my food budget, but I wanted to you know, become a millionaire and do my own thing. So the first step was education, got electrical engineering degrees. Uh, went to work for a Fortune 500 company, learned a lot of technical things there, but realized that marketing business folks are making most of the decisions. So I got a part-time MBA, thankfully, that my custom, my company paid for. That's where my journey into the stock market began. I invested heavily into the stock market full-time after having children. I quit the corporate for that race. Uh, it was a stock trader for quite some time. Looked for a way to mitigate my taxes and... Uh, find a way to do some kind of write-offs, didn't have that great, brilliant idea like an iPhone or something or iPad. Mm -hmm. So um, went to real estate, stayed away from single family because I just couldn't see the margins. And back then when I was looking at real estate, property values weren't appreciating like crazy in Dallas like they have now in the recent years. So it just didn't make sense to make two, 300 a month at the most on a single family rental and sign a recourse loan, which is why... Uh, when I heard from a friend about multifamily, it made sense. I didn't have a handy person's background to do fix and flips kind of work. It just seems too tedious. I could easily just analyze stocks and make that kind of money. So I never went into um, fix and flips, single family, etc. Found a mentoring program like you did that focused on large multifamily. Got my first um, general partnership deal, um, 86 doors, for which I found partners from out of state. And that helped me add value to them as the local market expert and boots on the ground. So especially when COVID hit and they couldn't travel, I was the one who was able to visit all those properties and uh, do a lot of the hands-on operations and asset management. And I learned a ton from talking to vendors and being at the property all the time. So that's one of my, shall we say, um, strengths that I offer to teams is local market knowledge and uh, asset management. And the fact that I live in a neighborhood with four of the major brokers in the Dallas area gives me a little bit of a competitive advantage. Okay. Good. Good. Thanks for sharing that. And asset management, your passion and uh, that, that's your, 
That's your life mm-hmm. above there, working within asset management. So let's talk about that. Let's think about when you think about asset management uh, for our listeners out there. What what are some things? You know, what does it take to be a real good asset manager in your in your uh, from your viewpoint? If you had to throw out say three pointers that must haves. So first of all, asset management is about executing the business plan. It's like people always uh, spend so much time talking about preparing for that wedding for a whole year or uh, the honeymoon, but they never talk about the marriage afterwards. So that's what asset management is. The deal is closed. Everyone celebrates and posts on social media. Now what? The real work begins now. Now is when you have to execute the business plan and return money to your investors, meet and exceed those initial projections. So asset management is about managing the property manager and finding that delicate balance between you know, not micromanaging your property manager, but at the same time tracking those KPIs, those key performance metrics. And so one of the biggest things I recommend is to have someone who's local and boots on the ground, who knows the property, who knows the area, because I focus a lot on value-add multifamily deals, meaning we don't just take it, a, buy a property, leave it as it is, and keep increasing rents. That's not what we do. We go and update the interiors. We may have some projects on the exteriors, etc. That requires supervision and therefore being on property on site to meet vendors, uh, to meet when the lenders inspector comes there, when the city inspectors come there. All of that is important because they are your bosses. Your true bosses are the lender, your city inspector, your investors, and then your residents. So when you keep, you have to keep all of those people happy. And one of your biggest tools and resources to do that is the people who work at your property. So those relationships are very important. It's a people business, your on-site staff, you know, they may get paid in the range of 50, 60, 70 K kind of salaries, and they are the face and they can make or break your deal, which is, you know, millions of dollars of investors money on the line. So very important to keep track of metrics, but don't lose sight of the humans involved in asset management, which is both an art and a science. Good. Thanks for sharing that for the listeners. So let's let's take it a step further. Let's talk about, you know, the business plan, right? Asset mm-hmm. management, right? Say, for instance, 100-unit apartment, Class B, Dallas. What have been some durations of times in terms of executing the business plan? And you've done a lot of these. So mm-hmm. you've been an expert. You know, what's the typical expectation if I'm a new investor? I'm thinking, oh, value-add plan for this apartment building in Dallas, what should they expect in terms of timing? You want to share some insights on that? Depending on the extent of the value add, your first six months of takeover are crucial to make sure you manage expectations with contractors, with on-site, with uh, renters, etc. So simple things like, is the property always maintained tidy? And that depends on your on-site managers issuing lease violations when people leave trash out or something like that. But as far as an investor's perspective on how long it takes to execute a business plan, everything depends on what that plan is. Some of them are light value add. One of our deals, all we wanted to really do was add washer-dryer connections, add washers and dryers, implement a Wi-Fi program, and then you can update an interior only when a tenant moves out and you can go and rehab the unit. So upgrading interiors takes a while because it's based on move out date. So that could be a year to two years. But all of the other projects such as exterior paint, well, I'm not gonna do it in the heart of winter in Dallas because the weather and temperatures are not gonna be suitable or the rainy season. So sometimes you're just gonna wait because it's not the right season to do something. Or let's say I'm gonna repair my air conditioners. 
um, I'm going to keep my CapEx first and I'm going to wait till I'm like a month before the summer season when you really need to and then go and update all of that. So CapEx execution is a good piece of saving money, using it the right way, spending it only on the things you absolutely need for which the residents appreciate it and your lender will reward you for it, maybe give you a loan for it. That's a big you know, piece of it. But as a high-level asset management piece, right, mm -hmm. you got to watch for your key performance indices. So the most important thing for any apartment complex, any business, is your top-line revenue or your collections, right? It's like the paycheck that's coming in for your household. You need to know that number. So that top-line revenue collection, you need to know that number, but you need to make sure everybody is in agreement on that number, and especially your on-site knows that number. Today, as we're recording this, this is the 30th of the month. So by now, pretty much your collections for the month of May should be done. So if you're still behind, it's like, go knock on those doors today because we close our books tomorrow. We yep. need to make sure we hit or exceed that number, the target that we have for it. And, you know, you need to make sure every little detail is recorded as to why those payments haven't been made. So top line revenue, always your first KPI. The second one is your operational expenses. What does it take to operate the property, right? That could be your R&M, your uh, uh, maintenance stuff, your um, contract services, your payroll. Did we have to hire extra people to do some extra work this month? Is that, you know, skewing our numbers? Uh, what about my taxes and my insurance? Are we making sure we protest our taxes? Those are some of the non-controllable expenses, right? You still want to make sure you get a tax protest company if you're in place like Texas. Insurance. Is our insurance coming up for renewal? Should I be getting some additional quotes because my rates are going up? Do you want to do that about 60 days prior to your insurance expiring? But what about marketing and advertising? Did I spend money on the right channels? Where did my last pieces of traffic come from? Am I spending my advertising dollars on the right places to get the good quality residents that I want? So again, your operational expenses are a combination of all of these different things that I just mentioned. So revenue collections is always number one. Your operational expenses are number two. And you should subtract the two, revenue minus operational expenses. It gives you the most important metric, NOI, net operating income. The net operating income is what your lender looks at. It's what your listing broker looks at to determine the value of your property. So let's say that for a class B 100-door property, as you just said, Melvin, uh, the cap rates ongoing today in Dallas are in the range of, let's say, five and a half to six cap range. The NOI divided by the cap rate is what determines the price or value of your property. That's the price at which you can sell it, or that's the rate at which you can refinance it. So it's a very, very important metric, NOI, which is impacted by your top line revenue collections minus your operating expenses gives you your NOI. Mm -hmm. 